Abundance of love Abundance of grace Now to that cross You took my place Oh God You take my ransom Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In Nehemiah 4 6, the Bible says, So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, There is a Purpose for You Being Here. Look at somebody and say, Purpose. Pray with me, God. Thank you for purpose. Thank you, God, for being in control of everything. God, I thank you for allowing each one of us to be here today. And I ask you now to speak to us, change hearts, God, shape us, mold us, renew us in Jesus' name. Amen. So I already told you guys that today uh, ends our 21 days of prayer and fasting We've seen lots of great stuff happen. We've got stuff that we're still praying for. And I, I told the staff this morning, I'll tell you, if you gave up something, uh, not food-related, but I know some people fasted against television, some people fasted video games, staying up late, uh, whatever. If you fasted against something and it raised the quality of your life, I want to encourage you to think about leaving it gone. Because if, you, if you've done something different in the last 21 days that brought your spirituality higher, why would you want to poke a hole in the bucket? Boy, it's tough being country. What's the song? She from Alabama. Oh, he's from Alabama. Georgia, same thing. There's a hole in the bucket, dear who? Yeah, why do you want to? Why do you want to poke a hole in your own bucket? But the 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 prayer and fasting ends right after this service. Uh, we we've seen great stuff happen. We're still believing for great stuff. Get involved in what God is doing. But we've been reading the book of Nehemiah for the last two months. This is so unusual. If you went back through the twenty one year history of the church that we've been doing this, um, I, I don't think there's more than three times that you could find where we back to back the same book. But I knew that God wanted us to be in this book for these two months so we could get to the, the, the part that we're going to get to today. So I hope that at some point in December or in January, you peeled the Bible open and looked into the book of Nehemiah. If you have, uh, I know that God has spoke to you about these things already and hopefully will spark some interest in those today. I told you the first time uh, a couple of weeks ago when I preached about Nehemiah that there were some interesting characters in this story. And the Bible says we have these stories in the Old Testament for our example so we can learn from them. And I love interesting characters in the Bible. It, it, it keeps me locked in uh, mentally. And we, we've seen some good guys and some bad guys. Now you think Nehemiah was a good guy or a bad guy? Nehemiah, obviously, he's, he's on the good guy side. There's a bunch of good guys, good people. who All the people that helped him are part of the good guys. But Nehemiah, we've seen, was a great leader. He, he, was, he actually came out of slavery, was working as a slave in the king's palace, 
but had what many considered the premier job in all the land. He was the king's cupbearer. Every time the king ate, he ate. Every time the king traveled, he traveled. King lived in the palace, he lived in the palace. He was dressing big, eating big, living big. Not a bad life for a slave. Um, but they also say that cupbearers with Nehemiah's skill set became close confidants to kings and to pharaohs and to rulers, and they almost worked in an advisory capacity. But when he heard that there was work to be done in, in the city of God, he left his cushy job and he went to work. I just don't know many people that would do that. I, I just think most people would say, you know, well, God will find somebody else because he wouldn't have gave me this cushy job if he didn't mean me to have it. That's almost as bad a theology as if uh, you pay for your uh, Sonic corn dogs with a $10 bill and they give you change for a 20 And I've had people tell me this about drive through change. Oh, Pastor, the Lord blessed me this morning. Uh, I, I paid with a 10 They gave me change for a 20 I got my free breakfast back and a whole bunch of money in my pocket. That ain't, ain't God good. I said, not to thieves. Thieves die and go to hell. I don't know what you talk God. People get this thing in their mind, and it's like, well, I wouldn't have this job if, if, if God didn't want me to have it. God, well, God wanted you to have it. Doesn't mean he wants you there forever. So he got up, and he left his comfort, and he went to work. Now, hear this good. There'll always be a reason why you can't do more for the Lord right now. Trying to close on a house. Trying to find a new apartment trying to get my kids out of school, try, trying to get through this last degree, uh, trying to da, 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 da. There's always the next thing. That's why the enemy has filled our calendar up with dates so that we'll have eternal procrastination. Well, I'm going to wait till the new year. Okay, so you did nothing in October, November, December because you were waiting for January? People do that with their health. People is binge eating around Thanksgiving. Well, I'm going to join the gym. I'll take it off in January. The gym got your money. That's all they got. Um, but people, they, they look for the reason. And then New Year's comes and, well, you know, it's almost Valentine's Day. We'll lock in after Valentine's Day. We'll start coming to Wednesday night church after Valentine's we, We're traveling to see Big Mama. It's her birthday for Valentine's Day. And, you know, and there's always the next thing. There's always the next holiday. There's always a change of seasons. There's always a reason that you, why you feel like you can't do more for the Lord right now. But I want to tell you, there's never a better time to serve God than right now because it's the only time you have. It's the only time you have. Uh, you, 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 can't, you can't go back in the past. You don't know what tomorrow holds, but you do know the Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So I, I think we need to, if you're ever going to serve God, I think we need to make a decision that, now is the right time. So just a cut, real quick uh, catch up to where we are. In chapter 1, when Nehemiah heard the news that the walls were broken down in Jerusalem and the people of God needed help, he fasted and he prayed and he wept. Why? Because Nehemiah loved God and people that love God naturally love people. Is this thing on, Rick? He loved God. He loved the people of God. He was hurt for them and when, when he heard that there was work to be done he didn't look for a way out he looked for a way in and and, and i want you to notice this the next time now i don't, I don't want to put any shame on you but 
It is what it is. Next time we have any food, any, any party, anything going on in the fellowship hall, and I stand up when I see everybody leaving, and I say, hey, guys, if we get a couple people to stick around and help move these chairs and move these... Do you think as I'm saying that speech, people are grabbing their stuff and hurrying out? Or do you think they're like, oh, yeah, I got you. Ain't they running? They are gathering. As soon as I'm like, could somebody stay in house? Oh, we got to go. Come on. Oh, get, get 12 to-go boxes on the way out. Come on, we got to go. Okay. Most people look for a way out, not a way in. I, I, I saw a, a meme that said, a real friend is someone who walks in when everybody else walked out. And if you really want to be a servant of God, you need to be the one who's looking for a way to get in on the solution, not to walk out and leave it to somebody else. There's, there's work to be done. Nehemiah knew there was work to be done in his day. I, every real person in this room that's a Christian knows that there's still work for God to be done today. Not, not, not just America, not just Washington, D.C., not just Tallahassee, not just the school board, not just the sheriff. Uh, uh, pray, pray for uh, Memphis, Memphis uh, hopefully not getting burned. I think the only thing that'll save Memphis from being burned to the ground. Anybody know why Memphis might get burned to the ground? Five cops. Well, they, they beat a man. He didn't die till three days later. Was what? Maybe, maybe. Uh, if you watch the whole video, they kept saying, lay on your stomach, and he never did. They kept saying, give me your hands, and he never did. Moral of the story is if you're whacked out on drugs and you're not an athlete, don't fight five cops and run from them. They will chase you down. Hey, Hugo, if five cops, Hugo, been in law enforcement his whole life, if five cops tackle me to the ground and say, lay on my stomach and give me your hands, if I just don't, Am, am I coming out of there smiling? Oh, my goodness. Uh, took him three days. But anyway, whatever. Uh, it, it's sad. Somebody lost their life. He chose to willingly run. He chose to willingly fight back. He chose, not, he chose to resist arrest. Memphis would be on fire right now, except for those of you that know the story. Anybody know why Memphis ain't on fire? Because all five of the cops were black. Five black cops beat a black man. Three days later, he died. Could you imagine if that had been like three Asians, uh, a Mexican, and a Georgia cracker? People in Georgia don't mind being crackers. I've been to the South my whole life. Memphis would be on fire, but pray for Memphis. But whether, whether we look at the work that needs to be done, there's work that needs to be done in civil rights. There's work that needs to be done uh, for equality. There's work that needs to be done for all types of things. But that's all a distraction that the enemy wants to get you geared up on so you don't do the work that's to be done in your own life. You see how many people knew about these current events right now going on in Memphis? But you can't quote 20 verses of Scripture to save your life and you ain't won nobody to Christ ever? Hmm. We all, we all know who Trayvon is. We all know who Eric Garner is. We all know who George Floyd is. We all know Brianna. But do you know Mahershala Hashbaz? 
Now, anybody who's been in a church longer than 20 years uh, here knows who Maher Shalal Hashbaz is. And as I survey the room, the only person that's been in this church longer than 20 years, she just raised her hand, is my sister. So uh, are you so old that you forgot, or do you know who Maher Shalal Hashbaz is? I don't take back everything I ever said about her. <laughs> Anybody else want to take a shot at the pastor who don't make stuff up? <laughs> no. Maher, M-A-H-E-R, S-H-A-L-A-L, L-A-L, hash, H-A-S-H-B-A-Z. Maher Shalal Hashbaz. That's one name. Boy, y'all thought uh, Tenetrophetria was bad. Y'all thought Laquishiana was, was, was a mouthful. Ma, Maher Shalal Hashbaz is the longest name in the Bible. But nobody knows that name. How do you not know the longest name in the Bible? Uh, who, who, who is, according to the Bible, the Savior of all the world and, and, and only real God there is? Okay, so five people know that. So we're, we're, at least we're, we're, we're learning something here. But the trick is to get us focused, to get Republicans hating Democrats, Democrats hating Republicans, white people hating black people, black people hating white people, the whole nation stirred up all the time. Why? Because then nobody has to look in the mirror and say, hmm, I probably need to lose some weight. I should probably pray more. I should probably stop watching TV all day long. Eating this whole bag of Cheetos right before bed, probably not a good idea. Trade that out for some Cheez-Its. I mean, you know, mix it up a little bit. Throw some Fritos in there. But it's a trap, so we think about stuff outside of what God wants us to do. Because if you ever really sat down and focused on what God wants you to do, it changed your life. It changed Nehemiah's, and a lot of people were blessed because of him. Uh, And I believe that everybody who's here at this church, and any church, is here by divine appointment from God. But hear this good. Some of you are here to help. Some of you are here to hinder. And some of you are just here to hang out. Now, I don't know where you are, but I promise you this. You're either here to help the plan of God. You're here to hinder it. Uh, you know, because some, the Bible says, uh, snuck in unawares to, to destroy our unity and to work against what God is doing. So some came to help, some came to hinder. Some are just here hanging out. I don't know where you are, but I specifically want to talk to some people who feel like they might be here to help. So in chapter 1, Nehemiah hears about the problem, decides to do something to solve it. We need more people like that. We need more people like that. It's never so evident to me, and listen, don't, don't hurt your back. I, I have so many people say, don't do that, Pastor. It's hard for me. I don't walk past trash. I broke my back twice. Um, and my neck once, and it's telling me I need another neck surgery now. Uh, they say I broke my neck again. It's not necessarily, but there is uh, a vertebrae that's uh, all messed up and needs to have surgery on it. So technically, I broke my back twice. I broke my neck twice. But if I walk from that door to my office and I see trash, uh, anybody ever seen me bend down and pick up a piece of, piece of trash in, in, in this church? It's, it's all the time. When I see people walk over trash, I'm thinking, don't, don't do that. Why, why would you do that? Uh, there's, there's trash cans at this door and at that door. It's, it's, it's 25 steps from here to there. 
some people just have a mind to, to help. Some people have a mind to want to be involved in making things better. Nehemiah was that kind of guy. In chapter 1, we see that. In chapter 2, he arrives in Jerusalem. Super cool chapter. You need to check out chapter 2. He arrives in Jerusalem, goes on a uh, spying expedition. He goes on a, a, a secret check them out kind of thing, and he, he assesses the situation, puts a strategy together. In chapter 3, it's just a bunch of names. These people helped build up to that gate, and this person helped build from here to, to this gate. And listen, all those names are important. Why? Because God chose to put them in his book. So don't skip over it. Read them. Uh, here, here, here's, here's a little help for you. You don't have to be able to phonetically pronounce all of those names properly. But chapter 3 is a lot of names. These are good guys. We talked about there being good guys and bad guys. Let's look at some of the bad guys and learn something from God's Word. The first time we see the, uh, what, what's the chief villain in a movie called? It's this antagonist. Thank you, Rick. The, the first time our antagonist shows up is in chapter 2, verse 10. And the Bible says, but when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, official, heard of my arrival, they were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. Now, if you ever really find somebody who's a racist and, and they pretend to be a Christian and they try to mix racism with Christianity, which is impossible because the Bible says if you can't love the people you do see, you, it's not possible to love a God that you haven't seen. But I like to mess with hardcore, alt-right, um, extreme racists that pretend to be Christians. And, and they want to believe that, you know, everybody that ever did anything good was white. I love to take them to places like chapter 2 in Nehemiah. I love to take them to uh, play, places where there's long lists of names and just ask them, uh, do, you really, do you really think some white person named their son Sanballat or Tobiah? Y'all, y'all don't get it. And, 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 and then, then, then it kind of, it shocks them to maybe think. Maybe there are multiple ethnicities that have accomplished things in this world. Can some five people say amen? amen. I, I'm, I'm thinking Sanballat might have been a shade darker than me. And you. And John Harris. <laughs> and Cedric Dixon. Anyway, this guy is the villain. Sam Ballot, the, the Horonite. That doesn't even sound good. It's like I'm a Floridian. He was a whore. I'd rather be a Floridian than a Horonite. Come on, man. This dude got evil all over him. This, is, this, is, this role was made for Joaquin Phoenix. Ain't that who played the Joker, Rick? Oh, this, I got Joaquin Phoenix on the Sam Ballot. And, and, and Tobiah the Ammonite, no good. When they heard of my arrival, this is Nehemiah talking. When these two dudes heard of my arrival, they were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. Now, I want you to get this because this is the first mention of these two villains. And it says they were very displeased. Now, somebody, let's pretend like we're in Wednesday night Bible study, which you, more people ought to come to. It's my favorite time to teach we get into it deeper and we talk about it somebody pretend you're at wednesday night bible study and tell us why were they very displeased because somebody was going to help god's people 
and they didn't like it. Well, we have these stories for our examples that we can learn from them. Guess what's going to happen if you live a life of loving God, loving people, and trying to be helpful for God's kingdom? Somebody's going to get mad. And somebody might get very displeased with you. But this this is how we're introduced to these people. Then later in chapter 2, in verse 19, the Bible says, But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, oh, here comes another one. Now we're up to three villains. We got this Sam Ballot guy. They didn't even bring up his, where he's from because they're tired of hearing it. Tobiah, whatever. But this Geshem, the Arab, somebody, Deacon Dixon said the Arab. Uh, you know he's from Alabama. He can't help it. Huh? Oh, you said the Arab? Did she? He said, I said Arab. She said Arab. All right, big country. When Geshem, whether you call him the Arab or Arab, that's not nice. Could you imagine if I was saying, yeah, uh, me and Elder Jimmy, we went to lunch, and then uh, uh, Elder Keon, the black, he showed up and met us there. Nobody talks. You don't say the black. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't say, uh, my, my mom's from Louisiana. Uh, you don't say the Louisiana. They say, Geesem, the, the Arab. That's a slam. In, in, in cancel culture, that, that's a dog whistle. Uh, that's letting you know the person saying this, Nehemiah, ain't friendly with Arabs. But they weren't friendly with him either. And when they heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked. So these guys, they come up mad, and they, they say you're rebelling against the king. Well, what a stupid accusation to make. He had letters in his pocket from the king, providing him with free passage, right of travel. Don't mess with him or the king's on your back. King sent him with money and with authority to take money from other people and with an army behind him. So he wasn't rebelling against the king. He was working with the king. So, so what do we see? A false, hear this good, because you're going to run into this in life if you serve God. A false accusation. A false accusation. I had somebody uh, quit the church one time, served at the church, well-known, quit the church, fell out on God, started telling everybody uh, the, the, the reason why Pastor Scott's able to travel so much and live in nice houses because he steals money from the church. Pastor Scott went 16 years without a raise, and in that time was still the biggest giver in the history of this church. If I wanted to steal money, I'd just give less. It was just a ridiculous... I don't know if you've ever been falsely accused, but false accusations drive me crazy. If, if we were talking about something, and, and, and we were talking about the, the weather up north, and, and we'd been talking about it for an hour and a half, because I can, and... But a false accusation came out against me in the middle of it. We're off weather all the way around now. I, I, I'm, I'm just out of my mind over to, uh, how are you going to say that about me? What, 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 whatever in your mind made you. And so they falsely, if anybody 
is not guilty of rebelling against the king. It's the king's cupbearer with all these letters in his pocket and the king's money in his pocket. Are you following me? Wild, crazy. Don't even make any sense accusation. But this is what haters do. In verse 20, Nehemiah said, I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. Mm, period. I told you consistently, pay attention to the punctuation when you read. It'll help your comprehension. The God of heaven will help us succeed. Now, if it was true then, is it still true today? If God is not a respecter of persons, if he doesn't play favorites, if he does the same for one as he'll do for the other, if God was helping his people succeed that were working for him then, don't you know God will help us succeed if we work for him now? And in case they didn't understand it, he, he came on in the second sentence and said, we, his servants, that's, that's, that's the side eye, because you're talking to a hater here, the Arab. You're talking to, uh, uh, that's her speech, not mine, but you're, you're talking to somebody who don't like you. And, and so you're like, we, his servants, that says a whole lot about what they think about you. He said, we, his service, will start rebuilding this wall. And then I love, just because it fits my personality, I love this next sentence. But you have no share, no legal right or historic claim in Jerusalem. He told them, you, you don't belong here. You ain't got nothing to do with this. Here's what I want you to know. Haters do not inherit God's blessings. Because the Bible says that all God's blessings are yes and amen, and that those who endure to the end shall be blessed. The promises are for those who endure, not for the haters. And he told them straight up, look, we're about to do something awesome in here, and y'all got nothing to do with it. If the United States government decides to outlaw churches because Christian churches read the most bigoted book ever written, Christian churches read the most um, exclusionary book ever written. They're taking books out of libraries and out of schools for for saying they're not inclusive enough. Here's what the Bible says. Uh, If if they're not following Jesus Christ, they have no access to heaven. Only Jesus. The only way to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one can come to the Father but by me. If the government decides we're shutting down Bibles and anybody who preaches one, uh, we're going to shut down their church. We're going to take them all to jail. If they instituted this uh, today, guess where? Uh, guess guess what I'd be doing next Sunday at eleven o'clock, preaching the word of God. You can arrest me. You can take away my car. I learned when I was a kid. You can do most anything you want to do with me, but you can't take away my birthday. I'm not sure what that means, but we used to say it. <laughs> They said, but, but you, you, you got no right. You got nothing to do with this hater, so you can just move on. And there are people in your life that falsely accuse you. There are people in your life that aren't happy that you give so much of yourself. When people start telling you, why you got to be at that church all the time? Lord, uh, what? I thought you already, you, 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 what now? You, hold up. You work in this ministry and that ministry, and now you, why, why are you doing When you start having people that don't understand your desire to do a good work for God, when you start having people being displeased with you, falsely accusing you, looking down their nose at you, you just need to realize, you got nothing to do with me, my God, and what we got going on. 
They told these Arabs, y'all got to go. You got no right. You got no, you got no promise here. So that brings us to chapter 4, our opening text. So let's, I'm going to read through a few verses, pull some stuff out. We're going to get out of here. Sam Ballot, in verse 1 of chapter 4, was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews. So it, this guy started off very displeased in chapter 2, verse 10. By chapter 4, verse 1, he is, he, he's, he's so upset, he was very angry, and he flew into a rage. I want to tell you, sometimes your winning will drive people crazy. Sometimes people not understanding why you do what you do. Sometimes your losing will drive people crazy. How many of y'all know life is cyclical? Sometimes up, sometimes down. But, but God's always in charge. He flew into a rage, and listen, he mocked who? So now we've had somebody called the, the Arab and somebody called the Jew. A whole lot of racial overtones in, in the book of Nehemiah. And this guy is not nice. Say not nice. He's the villain. Here he comes. He, he's mad at them. He's mocking them. In verse 2 it says, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they are doing? Now, at that point, I don't know, because it's never, it's, I, 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 uh, newsflash, I've never been black. Um, so I don't know. But I've heard enough said on TV. I grew up watching Good Times uh, and the Jeffersons. So I've, I've heard, in a, if, if somebody said, uh, what does this bunch of black people think they're doing? What, 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 is, what is this bunch of feeble black? Who you calling? Who you calling is supposed to come out at some point. Who you calling? That's supposed to come out of somebody's mouth at some point. And, and he's coming at them racially. He's attacking their work ethic. He's attacking their stature. This, this thing is getting dicey at this point. And then he says, do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Now, I don't know what everybody in the church does. I know Melvin works hard for a living and, and builds stuff, construction, uh, carpentry, all that, any, anything you need done, repair. Wave your hand to everybody, Melvin, so they know who you are. Now, now, let me ask you this, Melvin, because if somebody came and watched me work, they'd just see uh, an old man sitting in, a, sitting in a chair reading. But if they showed up to your job site and you had plywood out and you had two-by-fours out and you had power tools out and, and four or five of us just stood up and just started Ah, look at old dude over there. Oh, he, th- he thinks he knows how to run a power. So look at this old black man. You think you're, at some point, that's going to get old, yeah? The, them power tools might get used for something they ain't supposed to get used for. Oh, what a feeble Jew. Who, who are you calling? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day? They never said they would build this wall in a day. You see how evil haters are? They're just making stuff up at this point. They've attacked racially. They've attacked economically. They've attacked physically. They're, 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 just, they're just coming with all. You think you've been hated on until they show up at your job. Now, Elder Jimmy used to own a, a, a fence business and big, giant wooden fences, heavy uh, carrying stuff. Well, what, if, what, if, what if five guys that, that hated your company just... just Stood out in the parking lot, leaned on their truck, and said, Look at this bunch of slack jawed losers over here. 
Look at this white trash over here putting up. Y'all think y'all going to put up a... How, will that get old at some point? <laughs> he's itching. His skin's crawling on his neck right now just thinking about it. He's got, he knows he's got a hammer and a tire iron in the back of his truck. That's all he can think of right now. These people are going in. They never said anything about building a wall in a single day. How many of y'all know, and if you don't know, get ready for it, haters will attack you with stuff that makes no sense at all. They just make stuff up. There's no factual basis to any of this. They never said they're going to build a wall in a day, and none of them were feeble. Now, they were poor, and they were Jews. But they never said they were going to build this in just a, in a single day, just offering a few sacrifices. And then he says, do they actually think they can make up, make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that. Here's what he was saying. Okay, so the city got overrun, burnt to the ground. Every rock knocked over, nothing standing on itself. So imagine if we had a brick wall around all of this whole west side of Jacksonville, and it got all knocked down, and it was all burnt. We'd just have piles of trash everywhere and burn up rocks. And we got to figure out how we're going to stack these things, paste these things, uh, mortar these things, keep these things together. And so they, they, here's what they're trying to do. They're trying to discourage the workers. Can we really do this? Is this even possible? Who ever even heard of anything? Maybe they're right. When you start thinking the haters might be right, you need to check up from the neck up because the haters are not there to help you. Look at verse 3. It says, Tobiah. All right, we already had Sam Ballot go in. Now in verse 3, we got Tobiah the Ammonite who was standing beside him. Oh, don't misery love company. Haters, haters like to come uh, with, 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 with lots of other haters. So he was standing beside Sam Ballot, said, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. This is ridiculous. I am not a builder. Now, let me tell you something. If Melvin built something for you, you built that ramp, right? Built, built the ramp to get in the next bit. When Melvin built something, it, it, it's like stages we've built at other churches we build it so Godzilla and King Kong and, and, and our Bradley fighting tank can just play on top of it. There's extra support. There's, there's all kinds of stuff. Uh, if somebody came along and said something that you had worked really hard on for God, looks like a piece of junk that's about to fall over, right? You would be, your skin would start to crawl too. You would be like, okay, now, now you've really, really gone in. You've gone in on my craftsmanship now. And that's a... No wall is so shabby that a fox is going to knock over a whole wall walking on top of it. Foxes are not big. And they weren't going to knock the wall over. These are just haters hating. This is just more and more insults. This is more false accusations. Verse 4 says, then I prayed, comma. Always stop on whatever punctuation you see. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces so you can get it down in your spirit. Then, when is then? Then is always after. So after what? After you've been falsely accused. After you've been misunderstood. After you've been attacked racially. After you've been attacked economically. After you've been insulted emotionally. After you've been gone after at the thing that you do well. The proper response is to pray. The natural response is to what? 
circular saw to the jugular vein, hammer to the temple. That's the natural. Not for everybody, I guess, but the way y'all looking at me. That just don't come together for y'all that quick. The natural response is to battle back. But the story that we have for our example, the lesson that we have in this passage of Scripture, the proper response to this level of hate, somebody tell us, what is it? Prayer. He said, then I prayed. After I've taken all this from these people, I prayed. And even if you aren't about to snap and go circular saw to the neck, somebody that you're working with might be. So your neighbors start attacking your family unjustly, you might just be fine and dandy with it, but it might be working your kid's nerve into the ground. Sometimes you need to pray for your own mental health. Sometimes you need to pray for the mental health of people around you. He said, then I pray. Hear us, our God, for we are being mocked, period. Now, we're going to get out of here early today, so I want somebody to figure this out for me. When he said we're being mocked, do you think he believes God don't like people being mocked? Tell you something, God don't like people being mocked. Uh, the Bible in the book of Proverbs talks about things that God hates. The, the, the cherry on the top is anybody who sows discord in a family. Now, you might, uh, Elder Jimmy had, had a brother, a little bit bigger than you. Was, was, was he athletic at all? Okay, we were an athlete, you were. <laughs> Now, so you take this overly competitive guy, and I'm sure his brother was the same guy, um, and probably the story about them, you know, it's true about the Johnson family, probably true about their family too. You and him could get on each other, but you weren't going to watch nobody go on him uh, and you just stand there and take it. No, if you fight one of the Johnsons, you had to fight all of them. Why? Because nobody wants to watch you attack their family. Somebody might take something. You know, uh, I, I, I can tell you this right now. It would probably bother Nancy. Wave your hand at everybody, Nancy. It probably bother Nancy if somebody said something insulting to her. She's like, yeah, it hurt my feelings. But if they attacked your grandchildren, <laughs> she just went, now her back of her neck's crawling. You're like, oh, you done unleashed Mama Bear now. You, 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 you. Do not mock my grandchildren. What? People that love their family don't want to see their family be mocked. And Nehemiah knew God loved his family. He's like, hey, Dad, they're mocking us out here. I mean, this is like J.J. running to John Amos at this point. Get them, Dad. And then he says this. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads. And may... They themselves become captives in a foreign land. Now, you get a little peek at what kind of dude Nehemiah was at this point. I think he had a circular saw and a hammer, too. Because he, 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 he's going hard at these people, but here's the reality. He's speaking truth because they're going to reap what they sow. And when you attack God's people, you got trouble coming. Preachers love to hide behind the banner of touch not God's anointed and do his prophets no harm. And, 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 and they say that because they don't want anybody out and all the bad things and all the dirt on them. So they're like, don't speak ill of the prophet. Don't talk bad about it. Listen, if you're saved, 
You're anointed by God, and that verse applies to you too. You shouldn't. Well, I've heard people say, I got a letter in my credentials. I've got several letters of death threats that I keep on file for, for the police and the FBI. If I come up missing people who have threatened to kill me, I got a letter in my credenza in the death threat folder that one lady actually said, I know I can't get to you because you're God's anointed, but I can kill your children. Well, my kids are anointed too. I don't know who you're talking about. God's going to be just as mad at you. You touch one of my children as you touch me. Don't think that's just some verse for everybody. God don't like any of his children being mocked, and they are going to reap some negative consequences for their behavior. This is an irrefutable law. You reap what you sow. What you put out is going to come back to you. You can play victim and pretend it's everybody else's fault, but the reality is you reap what you sow. And so he's telling the truth on them, but verse, verse 5, you really get a peek into how hardcore this dude is. There's a, there's a reason why he rose up out of slavery to the highest position that a slave could hold. There's a reason why uh, he, he was the, the, the top dog. Um, he, he didn't take much from people. He, he's telling God about a whole group of people. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger in front of the builders. Now, this is what theologians call an imprecatory prayer. It means to imprecate or to place a curse on someone else. When you do it in prayer, you're asking God to curse somebody. David was the king of this. If you want to study imprecatory prayers, you'll almost be exclusively in this passage and in Psalms. David would say stuff like, crush their teeth with gravel, O God. Remove their names from your book, not only their names, but their children's names and their children's children into a hundred generations. Let them never come into your paradise and let them all die the death. When I was young in Christ, see, here's what some young people think, especially if you have a growth spurt early as, as a Christian. I, I was looking around thinking I was further along than I really was. That's the, that's the habit of most uh, novice Christians. And I was into this imprecatory prayers. And I had, my pastor told me, he said, Scott, don't, 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 don't pray so hard on people. Like, I'm just being like David. He said, well, David was a whole lot closer to God than you are. <laughs> I'm like, well, thanks. But you're right. He said, and you're praying against people that you don't like. All imprecatory prayers in the Bible are only directed at people who are attacking the revealed work of God. Not because they attack me that I can imprecate. But if they, if they attack the written word of God, if the mayor tries to shut down the church, I, 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 I'm going to tell God, give it to him, God. We got to do something here. But I would encourage you, unless you got every duck in a row, unless you got every I dot and every T crossed, and unless you don't want any mercy or any grace because you reap what you sow to, I wouldn't encourage you to be praying, God, blot, don't blot out their sins. Let them die and go to hell forever. Uh, that's, we ain't all there. No, I don't believe any of us are at that level. David was. David, David's the same guy that told God, search me and try me. Show me if there's any wicked way in me. Reward me according to my deeds. 
Now, if you had to stand on one side of the coin where God was going to reward you for your deeds or God was going to shower you with grace and mercy and forgiveness, you better get on the grace train. So be careful about saying, well, Nehemiah did it. Uh, Well, uh, Nehemiah was on a different level. Verse 6 says, so we built the wall. And the entire wall was joined together to half its height. For people, listen, here's the point. For people had a mind to work. The people of God worked together and they did something great. They did something noticeable. They did something that people had to take notice of. If we went right now to the most blighted neighborhood in America and we spent time working on it and we restored it and brought back its beauty, people would have to stop and take a look at that. But we're not going to quit our easy lifestyle and do that. Most people in this room won't cut the neighbor's grass. You can sit in your living room and complain all day long. Ah, they need to cut their grass. Their property value of my house is going down. These people are going to keep their yard. You're so yardish. Get on out there. Weed eater. Bust that out and do it. No, people like to complain more than they like to do anything. But we see here a group of people got together And they did something amazing. And that's a big part of why I believe chapter 3 is so important because it shows you all the different levels from blacksmiths, which are blue-collar workers in the heat, uh, all the way to the priests. Everybody was working. Everybody was doing the thing that they could do. And when that type of work and that type of unity and with a mind to work, great things can happen. Verse 7 says, But when Sanballat and Tobiah... And the Arabs, now they just, it was just San, it was just uh, Geshem, the Arab. Now he's just got the whole nation thrown in there. And the whole nation of Ammonites. We, we got a whole new crowd of haters, Ashdodites. I'd, rather, I'd probably rather be a, a Horonite than an Ashdodite now that I think about it. But he said, they heard, when they heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious all right so they started off very displeased they went from displeased to angry they went from angry to rage and now they've gone from rage to being furious there is no help for haters that don't want help if somebody's determined to fight with you, to hurt you, to harm you, to lie on you, to falsely accuse you, to insult you, you need to pray for them to God bless them with Nehemiah. No, you pray for them to God bless them because you want mercy in your own life. But hey, if they're determined to keep hurting you, they're just going to do it. And they just get madder and madder and madder and madder to the point now where they're furious. In verse 8, the Bible says they all made plans. It was just sand ballot. Then it was Sam Ballot and his buddy Tobiah. Then Geshem drug along. Now we got all these whole nations dragging into this problem. It says, they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. Now, we had these stories for our example so we can learn from it. If a group of people got together to do something great for God and haters started showing up, Do you think the haters want to throw everybody into confusion, stop the work of God, and get people nitpicking each other? Oh, absolutely. And that's what they were trying to do. They they tried insults. They tried racism. They tried tried class structure. 
that now, now they're trying just to turn everybody against each other. That's trouble there. Verse 9, but we did what? We prayed to our God. You need to get a my God mindset. We need to have our God mindset. The reason why America was able to have uh, some measure of civil rights in a country that did not want civil rights for African Americans is because a group of African Americans bonded together with a unified statement that says we got to stick together. And they developed a it's us against the world mindset. And that had to be to get stuff done. Now, the LGBTQ, uh, F, P, third uh, spirit, unicorn, purple dragon, um, uh, non-binary, asexual, um, uh, I don't want to leave anybody out. The, the, alpha, the whole alphabet crowd, they're just stealing the playbook from Dr. King. And they're like, all we got to do is stick together and scream loudest. And eventually, listen, there's power in unity. But you know what's divided, fractured, nitpicking? The church. Church folk against church folk. If you don't get a we mindset, if, if you don't get a our people mindset, that's not a racial term for the Christian. That's a faith term. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Now, I don't have time because... I don't want to be here all day, but he said, we prayed to our God, but we also guarded the city. So you missed that, and you shouldn't have. God has some stuff to do, some stuff he's going to let you do. I've told you for years, too many people saying dumb stuff like, when the Lord going to come through? Why, why God ain't done this yet? Uh, well, God's already done everything he needs to do. God did more than you could ask for him at the cross of Calvary. When God took on the form of a human being and came and allowed his creation to torture him, to mock him, to ridicule him, to strip him naked, to beat him unrecognizable and hang him on a cross, he did all he needed to do. And, and I, I, I say it and I mean it, and I want you to get to the place in your life where you can say it and mean it. If God never did one more good thing for me in life, He's already done more than I deserve. And he's already done enough for me to worship him forever. Some stuff, you, you're sitting there wondering when God's going to show up and do something. God's sitting there saying, hey, I showed up. When are you going to show up? They showed up. Nobody had to take their shift on guard duty. They were like, I, hey, I'm going to stay in guard. They don't even want to mess around with me out here on this gate. They were excited to serve the Lord, and they knew God was going to protect them, but there was also an element where they had to protect themselves, and we need to get that in our mindset. There's some stuff that we can pray for God to do, but what, 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 what did Mother Mabel say? Baby, you got to put some feats to your prayers, and I'm going to tell you, not enough Christians are putting feats to their prayers, sitting back praying, waiting on God. And God's like, go ahead. Oh, God, when, when, when are we going to get uh, some, some better, better uh, Bible teachers uh, in this church? Uh, step up and be that one. 
When are we going to get some better musicians? Step up and be that one. When are we going to get a missionary uh, that, that we can send? I don't even know what continent we're not represented on. I know that, that we got, uh, I think, somewhere around 60 different nations listening to the, the sermons, but I'm looking back there. I see Asia. I see Africa. I don't see nothing, nothing for Australia. But, but if somebody wanted to say, you know, we, we need, well, what we need to do is send out another missionary. Good. When are you leaving? We'll kickstart you. We'll start you off at a hundred dollar a month donation. You get fifty other churches to do that. You got five grand coming in. Get a hundred churches to do that. You got you got ten grand coming in. We prayed to God, but we also guarded the city, and we protected ourselves. We got some work that we need. They could they could all sat back. Looked at all the rocks, looked at all the rubble, looked at all the charred stones, and said, I declare and I decree, this whole wall is built by me. Were them rocks going to jump on top of each other and build their own wall? Well, what if I declare, what if I speak life into this wall? What if I declare and demand that these rocks rise up? And come into perfect agreement with the will of God. And you bind yourself. That don't work. If that worked, they wouldn't ask for money every week. If I could just, if I could stand up and declare $75 million in the bank right now, I'd never take offering again. But God has stuff he wants us to do. He wants us to co-labor with him. They, but they prayed. But they also worked because the Bible says the people had a mind to work. Now, next Sunday night, I've already told you, it's our ministry fair. See, we, we go, we, we, we've been going through this Nehemiah thing the whole time, and whether you knew it or not. But the leadership of the church, we see the problem. And we formulated a strategy, just like Nehemiah did. But we're looking for people with a mind to work. And next Sunday night, we're going to have tables spread out. We're going to have solutions. But here's what I need you to know. We need your help. It's only a matter of time uh, between, I mean, what, what, what would you say? May, maybe about 10, 12 regular people help, helping, helping Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's a half week. You, you don't give away $45,000 worth of food just showing up and, you know, oh, man, it'll have No, it's a lot of preparation. But these same 10 people have been doing it for years. It's just a matter of time that one of them has to lay out with an injury. It's just a matter of time. Uh, we, we got people in places right now, we don't even know what would happen. Dean almost had a conniption. Deacon, Deacon Dixon took a job. He retired after 30 years in the Army, went to college, Got 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 uh, uh, got his degree. Got license. What 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 is it? Therapy. Physical therapy. Uh, was looking forward to taking a job. Dina was praying against him. She told me. She says, Pastor, I don't even know what we're going to do if he takes a job. He's up here three days a week. I mean, he's putting in twenty thirty hours a week. And and is what what we we need to raise up more people. We need more people with a mind to work. Because here's the old, the old saying, but it's still true. Many hands make light work. I want you to get your hands in it. You, well, food and clothing is not my thing. 
Okay. Well, you come Sunday night, and let's figure out what your thing is. Because I will stay as long as you will stay. And I will help you biblically find the right place for you to get plugged into. And we got the same people staying. You know how long it takes to count the offering? Long time. Our, our, our finance people are usually here 30 minutes to an hour after Sunday morning service. And y'all, y'all get a lot of lobby time sit, sitting in them couches waiting on Sonya to get done with that money, don't you? Your moms will be sitting in there waiting. I'm like, oh, Sonya's counting today. We need more people to get involved. But I want to say this. If you've ever done one second's worth of work for the Lord in this church, if you've ever put your hand to anything to be a blessing and to help assist in God's plan, I want to tell you, not only do I appreciate you, but God said he's not unfaithful to forget your labor of love, and in all labor there is profit. You might think it went unnoticed. You might think it was taken for granted. You might think that you weren't that big of a deal, but we are all spokes in one wheel, and we all play a part, and your part is necessary, and we need you. We're going to meet here, and we're open in prayer, and we're going to move over there. I told you we're going to have brochures out. We're going to have a list of spiritual gifts that work right for the ministry, sign-up sheets, the special blank sheet, if you can think of a new ministry that we can put, put you in, it is going to be a time where we see who has a mind to work. Now, you're like, well, I'm out of town next Sunday night. Don't crucify. I'm not crucifying anybody. If you can't be here, you can't be here. But we're doing this for you. We're doing this to help show you how you can do something in God that you'll enjoy. Some of you don't even know why you're sad, depressed, and frustrated, bitter, and negative, and angry. It's because God's put stuff in you that you're bottled up, and you're not letting it out. And you you got to get a release for what God has put in you. you got to begin to minister in that thing that God has gifted you. Well, I don't know what I can do. Come Sunday night, and we're going to find out. I'm going to close by saying this. There's work to be done. My last question is this. Do you believe that the God you say you believe in is worth serving? Do you believe that? I should have wrote it down because I didn't think of it before now. But look it up. I can't remember it. Some, some old saying that it, everybody thought somebody should do a job that anybody could do, but nobody did it. That's basically how church goes. Everybody just expects somebody else will do it. But you know what? A lot of times stuff just don't get done. We had had to move some stuff out of a storage unit this week because our mortgage readjusted because mortgage rates are going up. So our giving is down. Our mortgage just went up. So we had to look for ways to save money. So we're like, hey. That storage shed they want they 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 want hundreds of dollars for. Let's uh let's let's knock that out. Well, who are we gonna get to clean out the storage shed? Well, same handful of people that we get to clean out everything. But I'd love to see you show up. See, here's the thing: you 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 might feel unnoticed and overlooked in this church. I promise you this: you start showing up in a ministry. You won't be unnoticed or overlooked at that point. You get in, food and clothing people, they don't always like each other, but they love each other. (laughs) Praise and worship team, they don't always get along, but they pretend they like each other in front of me because I ain't having it. 
Get involved in something. If you keep living only for yourself, you're living an empty life. And you're never going to know the joy that God intended for you when he created you until you get involved in serving him in some capacity. And there, 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 there is, there, there's a purpose for you being here. Now, if you're like, well, I just need to sit and get healed up, that's fine. But nobody ever had an ankle sprain and took three years off. I mean, you look at these guys out there right now. Uh, these guys, uh, Christian McCaffrey, he said, there's no way I'm not playing. Uh, Mahomes already told them. They can't keep me off the field. I'm going to be there. Where, where are the people in the body of Christ that are like, you can't stop me? We got stuff going undone now for uh, the first time in the history of this church. I, I, I remember, I don't even know what night it was, Stacy. Y'all used to come in. I think it was a Thursday. I don't know what night it was. We'd have 10, 15, 20 people pushing vacuum cleaners. They'd have their earbuds, their, their headphones in. They'd just be singing, wiping down every chair uh, twice a week, cleaning every bathroom. We, we, and they were just joyful. You know why? It got them out of the house. It gave them purpose. It gave them something to do that they could do. And it was meaningful. And if, if you started serving in our finance committee, People's families wouldn't have to sit around so long waiting on the same four people to do it every time. And you could have a purpose. And you say, well, I'm busy. I'm, I'm tired. I don't have time for, for one more thing. You're tired because you're not flowing in the spirit of God. Because the joy of the Lord has stopped being your strength. Because when the joy of the Lord is your strength, you're ready to charge hell with a water pistol, take on 20 more ministries, and put five new hats on your head. Well, I got other priorities. What, what priority did you put above God? And, and who taught you to do that? Sunday night. Next Sunday night. A week from today. Six o'clock. I want you to be here. We are going to. It's going to be incredible, y'all. This church is going to be so different in, in, in the next six months. Because there are going to be people who have been revitalized. And they're going to have a purpose. And when you start living for something bigger than yourself. When you, take, when, you, when, you, when you take ownership of something that is, that is meaningful, then your life has purpose. And I want to help you get that purpose. Pray with me. God, thank you for creating us to serve you. And God, I pray that you would raise people up to do what needs to be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.